Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, sports fans. My name is J.K. Zuski. You can call me Jake Iggy or Iggy for short. And this is Iggy's Sports Talk. So this is another episode where there's not really any major sports topics to talk about. But luckily, we're starting to get sports back, especially with how stressful everything has been over these past few months with the coronavirus, with people losing their jobs, with the unknown of what is really happening with this virus. Finally, sports is coming back to save us. As we heard yesterday, the NHL proposed a plan to come back. The NBA is starting to ramp up their desires to come back as well. And the MLB and the MLB Players Association had a meeting yesterday to try and get a deal done so we can start seeing Major League Baseball coming this July. And unfortunately, it did not go as planned. And this is something that is very frustrating as an MLB fan, you know, waiting on this ticking time clock for Major League Baseball to come back, you know, all these sort of revenue sharing plans going back and forth and a lot of unknown if the MLB season will actually be played or not. And the biggest issue is money. And I just wanted to bring on somebody who has a lot of knowledge on this topic and Danny Vietti. He is a CBS Sports MLB writer, and I figured he would be able to give us a lot of different insights on what happened yesterday and sort of how this season, even though it's 82 games, can be very competitive and be very interesting as well. So let's listen to that conversation right now with Danny. It's sort of a weird feeling in the MLB, not only with you know people reporting on the sport, but also people within the sport. Like, like we saw yesterday that Marcus Stroman tweeted that this season is not looking promising. And he, he sort of talked about keeping the mind and body ready regardless and sort of starting to dive in, into life after baseball projects. And sort of what was the feeling from, from people not only that you've spoken to, uh, but, but just sort of after the meeting between the MLB and the MLB's Players Association, sort of what was that feeling like with, with no deal really coming down? Yeah, it, it, it depends on who you talk to, but the guys that I talk to is the, the sense is that the clock is ticking. And, you know, we're getting into June here. I believe it's May 25th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but we're getting closer and closer to June, and basically the timetable was to have the players start spring training, their modified spring training, sometime in June, and the hope that there could be a season starting in the beginning of July. And unfortunately, these talks are going longer and longer because the owners are so far left and the players are so far right, and they're just not inching towards one another as quickly as they should be. And time is not a luxury right now for these two sides. And unfortunately, it's going to end up hurting everyone involved just because if you wait too long to get a deal done, now we're flirting with a start day in August. And if these guys want to have an 82-game season, which is what they proposed, starting a season in August is going to make that really tough because now you're extending the season maybe even into the winter, um, Mm -hmm. into November, the end of fall, I should say. So I think right now I'll just – somebody's going to have to give a little bit. And unfortunately the owners are being rather stubborn to say the least. And the players are feeling a bit disrespected and I can't say I blame them. 
It's funny that you brought up the whole fact of how potentially the season like could start all the way in August and, and completely affect the entire offseason uh, going into 2021. And, and it's something that it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I talked to Steve Perrault a few months ago, and he pretty much just brought up how if this goes all the way into, let's say, November, Christmas, it could affect the winter meetings. And then it's going to take a year or two just to reset everything back to normal. And it'll be a really weird, you know, sort of feeling and, and really sort of weird timing in baseball for years to come if this sort of doesn't work out. Yeah, at the same time, I, I think that's kind of the least of the problems because I don't think there's an issue pushing back winter meetings a month or pushing back, uh, you know, free agency, whatever the case may be, because there's always the that time in between winter meetings and the big time free agency period where you see most of the signings. There's always a, a dead period, if you will, of just people just kind of getting ready for the season. And so I, I don't think it's, you know, it, it's going to impact the league to where it would be at all in trouble. Um, I think people are just going to have to learn to adjust. And I think we've all learned to adjust during this trying time of just coronavirus, things being closed, um, schedules having to be adjusted, people having to work from home. Um, I think, you know, we've all been th- – put through trials these last couple months major league baseball included so yeah i think that's a definitely a solid point that people are going to have to adjust but i don't think it'll necessarily change the game to where major league baseball would at all be in trouble yeah that makes sense and 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 sort of it's it's very weird looking at the numbers that that could really be affected uh if there is no season at all you know it came out earlier that uh the owners could lose four billion dollars if the season does not start and for all the listeners that did not hear about what came out of the meeting between the mlb and the players association yesterday uh the highest players essentially would get the biggest cuts and the lowest players would stay the same and just looking at some of the numbers, it was if a guy gets $35 million, he's going to be getting paid $7.5 million. And the Players Association felt very disrespected, very disappointed by the proposal because, you know, there's, there's a lot of sort of excitement and lead up to this whole meeting with, with just fans in the media just really hoping that something could get done. And so I'm just curious on your thoughts on, on sort of what the big cuts that, that were presented uh, by the MLB, sort of how do you think that is going to be perceived by the players? Yes. So I, I'm a little mixed here because my whole premise behind – I'm generally players biased. I, I'm always fighting for the player, for the millionaire, not the billionaire. And so I'm a little mixed here because I personally don't – I don't feel – um, for the $30 million guys. They're, they're going to be taking huge pay cuts, and I get it. They're going to feel disrespected by, by these owners because they're asking them to take more than a 50%, probably closer to 75% pay cuts in, in some cases. And so I feel for them in regards to just the owners disrespecting them, the, the Mike Trouts and the Nolan Arenados. But I personally uh, veer on the side of um, – or I – excuse me, I, I, I lean to the side of the, the guys that are only making about one to two million dollars because when you're talking about 30 million dollars guys and they're only going to be making seven million, they're still making seven million. But if you're sure. talking to a guy like um, Gary Sanchez who's making two million and now you're cutting his down by more than half, he's still making good money. I don't, I don't want to make the case that you know, you're living in America with a million dollar paycheck, you're not going to do well. 
But at the same time, you're expecting certain paychecks to come in. So the guys like Gary Sanchez or even a guy like Pete Alonzo, who is expected to make about 650K, he's going to get cut down. And so it's guys like that that maybe they bought a house that they were, you know, um, gauging financially wise. They were gauging that they were just assuming that they'd be making that much money this next year. All of a sudden things are changing and, and maybe he can't afford his penthouse suite in New York or maybe he can't afford um, some of the things he, he's bought in over the years. And so I, I personally feel for the guys that might be hurting a little bit more than the seven, uh, excuse me, the 30 plus million dollar guys, the Garrett Coles. And then I also, not to veer too off your question here, but I really feel for the minor leaguers um, right now because Oakland, the Oakland A's just announced yesterday that they aren't going to be paying their minor leaguers um, after this month. Mm-hmm. And they were paying them $400 a week. And there's this idea about from fans about player professional baseball players that they just make all this money and they can just um, shut up and play basically mm-hmm. and when it comes to minor league baseball that's just not the case the reality of minor league baseball is these guys are getting paid pennies on the dollar to go out there and, and, and basically just travel the country on a bus and play baseball and they really aren't getting paid that much money and so now you're taking away $400 a week and you're basically saying look you're going to be unemployed until next season and hopefully there is a next season or you're probably going to be unemployed then too so I truly feel for the guys the the, the newcomers in, the, in Major League Baseball and also the minor leaguers who are now unemployed or at least some of them for the teams that are not promising to pay them through the end of the month it, I completely agree, and it's something that's very unfortunate because I, I saw a tweet this morning uh, tweeted out by Jeff Pass, and, and he pretty much explained the whole uh, situation with the Oakland A's, and the Oakland A's would essentially be paying $400 a week, like you said, in July and August, and, and that would be $5,200 per player, and what Pass said is that it would be a hair over a million dollars when the owner of the Oakland A's is worth $2 billion. It's, it's, just, it's just crazy and absurd to me. And it's something where not only with how, you know, disrespectful that is to the minor league players, but sort of what is going on with the MLB draft as well, where there's so much limited opportunity for these guys that are trying to get into the league with, I think now the draft is at five, is at five rounds. I mean, it makes sense due to, you know, the implications with the coronavirus and that sort of stuff, but with, with guys getting opportunities to be able to get up to the major leagues and make that sort of money, it's something where it's, it's really limiting a lot of these players who have some incredible abilities. Yeah. There's no excuse for it. Honestly, there's no excuse to not pay your minor league players right now when, you're worth that much money. And I will say this, just because you have a net worth of a billion dollars or whatever uh, the Oakland A's owner, Wolf, is whatever your net worth doesn't mean you have that in your pocket. Mm-hmm. However, I can guarantee you 100% of these owners have enough to pay their minor leaguers through the end of the season. I can guarantee you that. Um, it, it, like you said, Jeff Passon broke it down. It would be about a million dollars. You're telling me, the teams out there that can't find a million dollars within these billion dollar organizations to pay their minor league players through the year. You're telling me that you can't pay these minor league players so that they're not unemployed and actually can provide for their families. Because a lot of these guys are 20 to 25 years old, especially the guys in triple a double a and they rely on this money to make a living and support their families. All of a sudden you take that away because these billion dollar owners 
aren't willing to take a couple pennies out of their pocket to pay him. I, I think it's ridiculous. There's no excuse for it. And I think it's really stingy. And I think that plays into the major league baseball negotiation that between the players association, and major league baseball, they're seeing what they're doing to these minor leaguers. And they're saying, you know, this is crap you know, if you're not going to pay our minor leaguers, I don't want to do business with you either. So I think it goes hand in hand. Both sides are kind of feeding off one another and they're not feeding off each other. Well, and it, it's something where in minor league baseball, like they, they have just been disrespected year after year, especially this past year with the proposal that came out with, with the major leagues where, where they cut, I don't know the number exactly, but they cut like hundreds of franchises. It, it might've been a little bit less than that, but you know what I mean? Like they, they, they just com- completely exonerate an entire like minor league league. And with, with all these teams, like in all these towns that like relied on that money for that revenue with those stadiums and, you know, fans that looked forward to those games year in and year out, you know, it's, it's something where I, I looked into this uh, organization called Advocates for, for Minor League, for Minor Leaguers, and it, it really intrigued me because not only with how much, with the less amount of money that they get compared to uh, obviously most players that make it up into the majors, it, it's pretty crazy on, on, you know, thinking that they're able to actually comfortably live, especially with guys who have families and stuff. Yeah. And I think you bring up a great point in regards to taking the past history of financials and major league baseball and minor league baseball into account here, because that's a lot of the problem. Um, just to give you a little bit of an idea. So for the past 17 years, major league baseball owners have increased revenue yet the last two years, the average player contract in Major League Baseball has gone down. So you can't have it. It has to be a two-way street. If, if business is booming, you have to reward your employees. If you expect them to be punished and take a pay cut when things aren't going well. So, and, and going to your point about minor league baseball, these guys have been disrespected for years. And now you're going to disrespect them even more. And you're basically going to treat them like scum while all of these owners are sitting up in their big time mansions and, and, and don't get me wrong. Everyone's going to have to sacrifice. Um, times aren't going well right now. Um, everybody's going to have to take a pay cut. But the problem is, is that these minor leaguers are not being asked to take a pay cut. They're being asked to be unemployed mm-hmm. and it's May right now. The season doesn't start. Um, next season, I should say won't start until February at the earliest, if not March. So it's, it's really tough, and I just there's just no excuse for it. Not only are they disrespected, but now they're out of work. And now they're going to expect them to train and be ready for next season, yet they're not going to be getting paid. Exactly. I feel like if I was a minor league player, especially for like the Oakland A's, I'd be like, you're expecting me to go and like fight for like all for your team. Like, like obviously they're going to do that because for in sake of their own career and, and trying to really help help their own sake. But but just in the sort of disrespect that the owner of the Oakland A's put on those players, in my opinion, I I, I would I would be very hesitant to you know give my all for for that team and give my all for that owner. Uh, but it, but it's something where a guy like Blake Snell made a few comments uh, a month or so ago, and a lot of people were very upset about it just because. They, they looked at his comments as, what is this millionaire, uh, upset millionaire, like all, all mad about when, when he's essentially going to be making, you know, 
he's getting upset that he's going to be making four million instead of seven million or something like that. And his comments essentially were about the MLB making him play and him getting half the money. He he essentially said, "Bro, I'm risking my life." He said. Uh, it would be a 100% a thing, and I'm not going to play if if I don't get the money that I signed for. And he he pretty much said I should not be getting paid half of what I what I signed what I was signed for because the season is getting cut in half. And it's something where a lot of these players are speaking out uh, left and right, and it'll be really interesting to see what sort of deal will actually be able to come together. Uh, so we're actually able to see baseball in 2020. Yeah, there comes a time where you feel you're just being taken advantage of. And again, I, I spoke about it earlier. I, I'm not really here to speak for the attendant. And Blake Snell is expected, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it is around $10 million this year, which means he would still be making uh, a good chunk of change under this proposed deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really fighting for the Blake Snells. But at the same time, there comes a time when it, you just you're disrespected and you're being taken advantage of. And why, especially when everything's going on or with everything's going on right now, why would you risk your life to be taken advantage of by a guy who's not going to be risk his life? The owners, they won't be risking their life whatsoever. They can stay home, watch the games on TV because with coronavirus going on, they want minimal people in those stadiums anyway. So it'll kind of be up to the owners whether they want to attend these games or not. Their health isn't going to be at risk at all, whereas the players – they're not only going to be taking a major pay cut, but they're, they're going to feel as though they're being taken advantage of. And so I question the heart and the soul that's going to be put into each and every game. If it was a regular season, they're giving their all every single game, 162 games plus. But if they're being taken advantage of, it's just like anyone else. If you're being taken advantage of, why am I going to give my all when I don't even agree with what's going on right now? Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's sort of a weird situation, and it's something where I was listening to uh, um, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. He pretty much touched on the Snell point, and he was like, so you're telling me that you would rather make n- not make $4 million and essentially make zero and wait until 2021 till you can actually get some sort of money? It, it really made no sense to me. Um, but I wanted to touch on sort of the medical protocols that the – MLB came out with a few weeks ago. So they essentially said that they're going to test multiple times per week and that they were essentially three times per week and that they would also check the temperature twice per day. And it's, it's something that is very similar to what the Korean Baseball League is doing. But I was just curious on your thoughts on, on do you think that this is going to be able to keep everybody safe? And really, how do you think that they're going to be able to practice social distancing? You know, will they do the whole stands thing? Will they keep everybody apart in the dugout? Will they have nobody in the clubhouse? I'm just curious on your thoughts. If your question is, will it be able to keep everyone safe? Then the answer is no, in my opinion. Um, just because there's no way right now to keep everyone safe because somebody could go to the grocery store and contract the virus. Somebody mm-hmm. could, um, you know, anything can happen. So I personally think it's only a matter of time before some player gets sick. The real question is, is how will Major League Baseball respond? Um, especially if the season gets into the fall, because they're saying with this virus is the next peak is going to come around the fall. Um, basically, they're calling it the second wave. Mm-hmm. And so I, there's no perfect equation. There's no perfect process at the same time 
I think they're just trying to minimize and do whatever they can. And I, they're smart people in there. They, they know something's going to happen. They're, they're expecting that. But at the same time, I think the real question is going to come um, in the response and, and how they deal with it because they're going to get a lot of heat. They're going to get a lot of questions when someone gets sick. So they have to have an evacuation protocol, if you will, with the season. Does it mean they end the season when a couple of players get sick? How many players need to get sick for them to just call it and say that enough is enough? So they're going to have to have backup plans, a plan B, a plan C, all the way down to Z. I mean, it's something where it, it's very sort of interesting with all these different plans coming out and all the different question marks. I, I like the point that you made that somebody, you know, somebody could easily could just go to the grocery store and just spread it, spread it along. And when I was looking deeply into the medical protocols, I, I saw that the, the scenario came up in one of these articles I was reading. I thought it was very interesting. Let's say that that's a player gets tested on Friday and they go and visit family on Saturday, Sunday, or, you know, just go out in public. And they, they're not going to get tested again until Monday. And it takes 24 hours for the test to actually come through. So that's three days right there where you could essentially be very susceptible to spreading this virus with your family, anywhere that you go. And, you know, especially with a lot of these players that have a, a lot of these different, uh, you know, imp implications with their health, you know, weak immune systems, you know, people have also brought up uh, very notably that Mike Trout's wife is pregnant and she, she's doing August and will he want to risk his life for that? And, and it's something where it's a big question on if a lot of these players will actually want to risk their family, risk uh, the health of everybody around them to play this sport. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's really the, the point that people are missing. It, it's not that the players are necessarily risking their lives because a lot of these guys are in really good shape. They have really good immune systems. It, it, it's not that. It's that they're going to be interacting with their families and their friends likely on a day-to-day -day basis. And they're going to have more exposure to this virus now. And so they're putting their friends and family at risk. It's, it's not that these players won't survive. It's they don't want to be the guy that brings a virus into the house and gets everyone else sick. And nobody wants to be that guy. Um, and so it, for the players now, now we're going back to the financial aspect of it. How much money are you willing to pay me for me to not necessarily risk my life, but to, for me to risk getting everyone involved in my inner circle within my friends and my family, how much are you willing to pay me for me to risk I hate to say risk their health, but in some cases it's risking your health. Mm -hmm. Somebody could have a sister. Somebody could have a brother. Somebody could have an aunt. Maybe they go to a family reunion on a weekend after a game and one of their family members is, um, has a low immune or a, a not so great immune system. Now all of a sudden they're at risk. So there's so many different aspects that are involved that I think people aren't really taking into account and they should be because it's not just the players. It's who they're interacting with on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not just the players. It's also the coaches. It's the front, um, excuse me, the team managers. There's some people in the front office that will be required to go to these games too. So there's a lot more um, figures involved um, that are going to have to take the risk if they want to see them. Yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy really just breaking down how many people are involved to really put on a baseball game. And I, I really fully understand that until they were talking about how many people would need to be tested, you know, the broadcasters, you know, all the all, all the different people that 
you know, get the fields ready. And it's, it's really kind of crazy even thinking about how easy it is that a manager of a team in, you know, his 60s, 70s would be very susceptible to, to catching this virus and could potentially, you know, have to go into quarantine for two weeks. And it's, it's, it's going to be a very weird time in the 2020 season. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be a huge learning experience, not only for the league, but, you know, I, I think it's been a huge experience, learning experience for everybody uh, in, in the country and in the world for over these last few months. Uh, but it's, I th- I'm very excited to see how this shortened season with the new rules. So something that Danny actually touched on a few weeks ago, which is very interesting about the different changes that are going to be happening with the shortened season is a universal DH. And in my opinion, it's something that the MLB should have implemented a long, long time ago, because in my opinion, as long as is a Red Sox fan, there's been a lot of pitchers that have, you know, gone, gone in and had to hit, had to run and they've gotten injured left and right. And, you know, we've obviously seen it a, a ton on the national league side, but, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on sort of how the universal DH could sort of change the competitiveness of this next season. Yeah, it could really change the strategy of the game because right now there's a handful of National League teams that are not suited for a designated hitter. There's a lot of teams that there. I mentioned in that article, if you want to take a, a closer look, the Rockies last year hit their designated hitters last year in 10 games. Uh, they played 10 games in the American League ballpark, and their hitters, their designated hitters, combined for a 150 batting average, no home runs, no RBIs. Um, so there was little to zero production. So with that being said, there are some free agents out there, while the list is rather small, there are guys like Yasiel Puig, Scooter Jeanette. There's some skilled players out there that have proven success that I could see teams take a chance on, especially a guy like Yasiel Puig. He actually had a very productive season between Cincinnati and Cleveland last year. So I think it could change the landscape of the game. And not to mention the CBA is coming up in 2021. So you're going to have negotiations for this new CBA next year. And if people seem to enjoy on the National League side, if people seem to enjoy this designated hitter, I wouldn't be surprised if it stuck. It's a great point that you brought up about the new CBA with, with 2021 because it's something where it could, it could really be interesting to see uh, sort of what you said about with the university age, but also with the expansion of the rosters. You know, we saw that they expanded from 25 to 26 this past year. And now with, with the new rules, they're potentially going to be expanding it to 30 players. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts on, on if you think that that'd be a good idea for, you know, years to come and sort of how that could kind of change how, how teams are really built um, going into this next season. If, if, you know, teams bring up top prospects to see how they're going to perform in different aspects of the game, if teams will bring up more pitchers to help them out in different situations. I'm, I'm just curious on your thoughts. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure 30 players is necessary for free two years. Um, but that being said, this year it would definitely be necessary just considering the injury concerns that are going to come out, especially with pitchers. So I hope you guys really enjoyed that conversation that I had with Danny Vietti. And each of you were able to learn a lot, not only about 
how competitive this 2020 MLB season, MLB season could actually be, but also the sort of implications that is going on with how much MLB players are getting played and sort of the disrespect that is going on with the minor league players. So go over and follow Danny at Danny Vietti on Twitter and also go over to my Instagram or Twitter. It's at Iggy Sports Talk to learn about any of the new biggest stories that is coming out with any sports and I'm really looking forward to seeing how everything will really pan out with each sport and how each league will be able to sort of mold their season in a way where it's still competitive but where everybody still stays safe and that just brings on the point to everybody who is listening to this podcast right now I hope each and every one of you has been staying safe healthy and has been finding ways to get around with no sports in this stressful time and can use this podcast to sort of relax and learn a little bit more about these biggest sports topics. I really appreciate everybody taking their time listening to this podcast and I will see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.